a spiritual fire. Uh, let the church say amen. amen. Again, let the church say amen. amen. It is good seeing you all on this morning, and I thank the Lord for a new day. A um, couple of things. Uh, for one, uh, thank you all who were able to make the congregational meeting last week as we uh, did a little bit of vision casting in terms of a presentation, amongst other things. And just as an FYI, I really appreciate some of the positive feedback that I've heard uh, thus far. And so thank you for that. And I would also ask that you continue to pray uh, as we think about next steps and how to best communicate uh, what those will be. So let's, uh, let's be praying uh, that the Lord will continue to guide our steps as we move into the next phase of our life. Amen? Amen. And as Elder Bill just referenced, uh, this morning's title for our message is Fanning the Flame. I actually used that phrase last week in our presentation, and uh, you'll hear a little bit more about that as we move forward with the message. So that being said, I'll ask you to rise if you can. And just by way of microphone, is it, am I too loud or I feel, I feel, is this right? Okay, good, good. So this morning, uh, we are in 2 Timothy. I'll read verses 1 through 7. And just as an FYI, some of you all have been going to soul food and you've been working your way through Timothy. So some of what I may say will sound familiar. Uh, just bear with me if that's the case. Amen? Uh, let me read, pray, and then you can take your seat. This is Paul's second letter uh, to Timothy. Uh, these are the words of the Lord uh, as recorded in the scripture. Beginning at verse number one, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Louis, and your mother, Eunice, Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. We'll conclude there. Father, we bless your name for this new morning and for this new opportunity to look into your word. We thank you for the earlier portions of this service and pray that you have been honored uh, by it. And as we come now to your word, we pray that you will be honored in this time. Help me, Lord, to preach not my word, but yours. And I pray, Father, for uh, those who will hear this word preached. May your spirit move in ways that you see fit. We thank you, Lord, for this time, and we thank you again for your word. It's in Christ Jesus' name that we do pray. Amen. Amen. 
Fanning the flame. Why don't you say that with me? Fanning the flame. Let's say it one more time. Fanning the flame. The, this title is taken directly from the words of the apostle himself. Now, before we look specifically at this text, um, I don't think this will be a surprise to any of us, um, but life has a way, whether for good or for bad, uh, life can shake our foundations from time to time. Some of us, for example, could be hit with an illness that we did not expect, and it just throws things in chaos. Some of us might have unexpectedly lost a job or a loved one, and it'll shake our foundations, if you will. And not just in so-called negative cases, but sometimes there are wonderful things that happen, and they seem to be too good to be true, and we don't know how to respond. But either way, life has a way of shaking us to the core from time to time. And in these moments, it is helpful for us to be reminded of scriptural truths. Again, when you go through things, things come your way, whether unexpected or not, and they tend to rattle you, how do we get stable, so to speak? Well, the Lord's word is here for such a time as that. And you will see this, as a matter of fact, when we come to uh, Timothy. But before we look at what Timothy is going through, let's be reminded of the fact that the Apostle Paul, uh, who served not only as a mentor to Timothy, uh, you know, some have described this relationship as a mentor-mentee type of relationship, and I think that's, of course, fair to say, but I think it's much more intimate than that. Paul described Timothy as his beloved son. And so this, this is more like a spiritual father, spiritual son relationship. But Paul, he didn't have just Timothy. Paul's ministry was filled with a wide variety of helps. Paul had uh, numerous folks, both men and women, who walked alongside him to help him in his ministry. And I've said this in, on other occasions, uh, and I, I think it bears worth saying now, this is a helpful reminder that the Lord gives us others to help us in our walk and in our ministries. And so we should be very, very careful of being lone rangers when it comes to doing the work of the Lord. Amen? If Jesus called disciples to walk alongside him, if Paul had multiple people walk alongside him, we would do well to walk alongside others and have others walk alongside us. Amen? And Timothy is perhaps one of the closest of Paul's companions. As a matter of fact, Timothy is mentioned in the book of Acts. He is mentioned in Paul's letter to the Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, of course, the letters that bear his name, he's mentioned in Philemon, and he's also in Hebrews. In other words, when you think of Paul and the scriptures, Timothy is very close by. And so this, this letter is not just written to some random person or some 
associate that Paul deals with from time to time. This is Paul's, in many ways, his own flesh, spiritually speaking. So this letter is very, very personal. And this is not something that just comes out of the blue. Now, that being said, let's, let's look at some of the text itself and then uh, play with some applications. Uh, for example, in verses uh, 1 and 2, this is a, 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 an opening greeting, but it indicates the personal nature of Paul's letter. It indicates that he is very close to its recipient. Again, in verse 1 and 2, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. Here, verse number 2, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. I was challenged yesterday. There was a men's ministry uh, prayer breakfast, and we dealt with the topic of friendship and relationships. And as we broke off into small groups, and I was in a small group itself, and we began, we were challenged to think about, you know, who are some of your friends and, and thanking God for friends and, and so on and so forth. And, uh, you know, as a pastor, you know, the conversation came up, you know, how do you, how do you navigate friendships as a pastor? You know, what does friendships look like? And, and you know, I confessed on some level I, I struggle with that, you know, and, and no one has made me feel weird about trying to be their friend. But, you know, uh, yeah, for example, there, uh, you know, in my previous ministry, you know, there were all kinds of get togethers and parties and all that kind of stuff. And, and I was always invited to all of them. And, and, and I would go and, and I wouldn't stay, I would stay as long as I could, but uh, when I felt like people weren't acting like they couldn't be themselves, <laughs> I was like, let me leave so you can be who you really are. <laughs> and, 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 and not to say that's a license for people, obviously, to sin, but, you know, if we're going to be friends, we're going to be friends. And, 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 you know, I want, I want to deal with the real person, just as you should want to deal with the real me. And, and, I, and I say all of that in a joking manner, but, but there's a real sense in which, you know, navigating this idea of friendship and relationships can be difficult. And not just if you're a pastor. I mean, some of us, that's, you know, our personality, our life stages, you know, friendships can be difficult to come across. And praise God for those that we do have. Amen? And Paul, Paul was someone who traveled a great bit. And if you read through his life story, you will see there are folks who come in his life sometimes, or there are folks who come in his life at times, and then they're there but for a season, and they're gone. Some are good situations, some are not so good situations. But Timothy is someone who has been with Paul almost since they first met. According to the timeline, it was during Paul's second missionary journey. He gets an opportunity to meet Timothy. Timothy is someone who his mother, his mother was Jewish, his father was Greek, and 
Paul gets an opportunity to meet with him, and he sees something in Timothy, and he takes Timothy along for the ride and develops this close relationship with him. And as he develops this close relationship with him, by the way, th- th- this is something I, I, would, I, would not sk- I shouldn't skip over too quickly, but may the Lord provide us with such relationships. Whether it's mentor, mentee, whether it's spiritual father, spiritual son, spiritual mother, spiritual daughter, uh, may the Lord provide us with intimate relationships that will help us to become more and more like Christ. Relationships that will not just uh, love us when we're at our worst, but relationships that will challenge us when we need to be challenged. And I believe that God provided Paul and Timothy for one another. And again, may the Lord provide those relationships for us. But all that to say, I want to drive home the point that this letter to Timothy is unlike a number of other letters that Paul written. Of course, there are similarities. But whereas Paul wrote to churches, whether it's Ephesus, whether it's the church in Rome, this is a personal letter to someone that he is closely acquainted with. And so that is, again, a part of verses 1 and 2, but also it bears with the context. He goes on, for example, in verse number 3, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As a side, well, it's not really a side note. It's good to know you have someone praying for you. Amen? Amen. And by the way, I say this this as as a pastor. I am extremely encouraged to know that I have folks praying for me on a regular basis. I'll come up to someone or I'll have a conversation with someone and, and I'll perhaps conclude and I'll say, just you know, keep me in your prayers and they'll let me know I've been praying for you. Let me say, that means a lot. And I believe the Lord answers those prayers. And here is Paul reminding his beloved child, not only that he's going to pray for him, but that he is constantly in his prayers. And brothers and sisters, there are various ways in which we can serve one another. But there are certain ways in which we cannot serve one another. But if there's one thing that we can do for each other, it is praying. You may not be able to meet certain needs that I may have. You may not have the expertise to advise me on certain things. But regardless of what your level of education is, regardless of what you are, uh, where you come from, you can ser- we can serve one another by praying for one another. And Paul starts off again this letter. This is not just simply some, uh, let me just throw this out there and move quickly, but this is something that Paul says that he does constantly. He constantly prays for, Paul, uh, for Timothy. And I pause for a second to ask you, how often are you praying for those closest to you? How often in your own prayer time do you spend asking the Lord to remember those that God has placed in your sphere of life? Are there those that you're praying for their salvation? Are there those that you're praying for encouragement? Are are there those that you're praying for guidance and wisdom? Let it be known, brothers and sisters, that we are called 
to not only be a church that prays corporately when we gather, but we should be praying for others on a regular and consistent basis. And I know in many ways that's elementary, but nonetheless, brothers and sisters, we have an example of the Apostle Paul doing that very thing for his beloved child, Timothy. So may we be a church, may we be people that constantly lift up those that we love in prayer. Amen? Now he goes on and he says that I am reminded of your faith, your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first with your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells with you as well. As a matter of fact, in verse number five and verse number six, which we'll come to, you see here a couple of reminders, one for Paul and then one for Timothy. Now, Paul, I would remind you, if you're not familiar with this letter, this is more than likely Paul's last letter. He is on his way to a gruesome death for his faith. And as such, things are pretty dire. Things are, are, are looking pretty rough. And, and Paul, by the way, is not worried about dying. As a matter of fact, in his letter to the Philippians, he says, you know what? I am torn. Because there's a part of me that really wants to be with the Savior. But then, at the same time, I know that my presence is very helpful for you. So it might make more sense for me to be with you. But nonetheless, Paul was eager to be where Christ was. And so Paul is not fearful, he's not worried about dying, but he does express, not only in this letter, but in various letters, that he is concerned about the churches. He's concerned about, you know, uh, whether or not they will continue to walk in the ways of the Lord, whether or not they'll continue to believe the gospel that he preached. And there's reason to believe that he is concerned about his beloved child. He is concerned about Timothy. Not that he doubts Timothy's faith. Of course, in this very passage, he, he, remind, he says that he's reminded that he comes from good stock. His grandmother and his mother were women of great faith. And we know, or Paul knew that that same faith dwelt in Timothy. And so Paul is reminding or is being reminded himself that when it comes to Timothy, though there are some things that concern him, he has no reason to worry about Timothy and his faith. So Paul is being reminded in light of his concern, but then he goes on to remind Timothy. He says in verse number six, for this reason, and this is my, where I was hoping to come to, I am sure, uh, for this reason, I am reminded to fan, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Why is it necessary for the Apostle Paul to remind Timothy, his beloved child, to fan into flame the gift that was given him. Well, most, most Bible commentators, for one, believe Timothy was young, and I think that's adequate. Uh, he was a young person called to do uh, great things for the Lord. And then, at the same time, there's some there's some ethnicity issues going on here as well. For example, he's Jewish, and he also has a Greek father. 
And this would complicate some things as it relates to going about doing ministry amongst the Jews and not necessarily amongst the Gentiles. And as a matter of fact, Paul had to have him circumcised just to smooth the way for ministry. And then on top of that, some believe that he was sickly. For example, Paul says in, the, in, his own, in, this le- in the letter to Timothy that, you know, he drinks some wine mixed with water because of his stomach situation. And, and then on top of that, there are those who believe that Timothy was timid. In other words, Timothy is called to do a great work, but there are a number of issues that would perhaps make him a little hesitant and fearful. And on top of that, it's not unreasonable to believe that Timothy is concerned about his mentor, his spiritual father, is about to die. And what does this mean for him? I mean, think about that for a second. Someone, and and you see this also, uh, you could imagine this in the case of the apostle. I can go back further. We think about Joshua. Moses dies, and Moses had been walking with the people all of this time, and what in the world is going to happen now because Moses is dead? How do we move forward? Well, Joshua, be strong and of good courage. And then you have, of course, the disciples. You know, they've been walking with the Lord of creation, and now he's about to leave, and what happens now? And the Lord encourages them that he's been given all authority in heaven and earth. So go out and make disciples. And here we have Timothy perhaps anticipating that his mentor, his beloved father, if you will, is about to die. And yet Paul is reminding him to fan into flame the gift for which he was given. Now, what is that gift? We, you know, you can speculate on some level. Uh, Tradition says that he became the bishop of Ephesus, and maybe it was evangelism. It might have been a couple of other things, perhaps. But nonetheless, he had a gift, and Paul is reminding him to fan into flame, to, to utilize that gift for the sake of the kingdom, despite his fears or whatever they may be. And he goes on to conclude this verse, and we'll move to some application. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. I can break those down, but for time's sake, I won't. Uh, Just know that he says again, for God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power. In other words, to accomplish great things that do not come with our natural ability. He gives us the spirit of love, ability to go out and be like Christ, and of self-control. Again, not allowing yourself to be tossed to and fro, depending on your flesh or the times. But nonetheless, Paul is encouraging his son, his beloved son, to move forward in ministry in light of his fears, and in light of the trials that will come. Now, why is it that I have chosen to use this particular passage? And I alluded to this somewhat last week during the presentation. I didn't go too much into depth. But as I was praying and as I was thinking through the vision and moving forward in the life of the church, 
and engaging in various conversations and things like that and putting pen to paper, I began to think and began to, to realize much of what I'm communicating is not stuff that is new to Faith Christian Fellowship. As a matter of fact, much of what I'm hoping for is being done, and as such, the church should be affirmed, and those who are engaged in ministry should be acknowledged and praised. But what are the things, what are the things that we need to fan into flames? Perhaps it's a spiritual gift that you've been given. Some of you all, the Lord has blessed with various gifts. You know what they may be, and yet are you using them for the sake of the kingdom? Perhaps there are things that are causing you fear. Perhaps there are things that, that are getting in the way of you operating and functioning in the way that God has called you to function. And perhaps you should be fanning those flames what is it as a church, corporately speaking, that we have been called to do, and yet it's simmering? And God would say, fan into flame the things that I've called you to do as a church. Perhaps there are multiple things, but I would challenge you, and as I challenge myself, what are, what are the one, what are the personal things? Lord, you've given me the ability to teach. Lord, you've, been, you've given me the ability to serve or the gift of service. Lord, you've given me this gift or that gift. And, and Lord, I have not used it. What is that? I am one who does believe, as perhaps you do, that God has given all of those that he calls into himself gifts. We may not, have, we may not fully recognize them, but uh, we have been blessed by God. We've been given grace, mercy, salvation, and perhaps a specific gift that we could recognize. And again, I challenge and I ask you, what is that gift that you've been given? Now, as I, as I prepare to close, and, and, I, and I say this without, I want to be mindful. There are many folks in here who are operating and functioning to their, according to their gifts. And we should acknowledge and praise such folks, as I've said a little bit earlier. But for those of you, for those of us for whom we are fearful, for those of us who are overly worried or concerned, or we have other things that we're giving more attention to. Again, I say to you, as the Apostle Paul says to Timothy, I remind you to fan into flame the gift that has been given us by God. And as we do, brothers and sisters, perhaps we will see the Lord move in ways that we have yet to see him move. But we must first ask ourselves, Lord, help us. Help us to identify what it is you've called us. What gift have you given? What is it that you've called us to as individuals? What is it that you've called us to as a church? And as you identify, as we identify those things, may the Spirit of the Lord help us. And as he helps us, may the Lord himself be honored. Brothers and sisters, I'll conclude there. Father, we look at this portion of Scripture 
And Father, we confess that at times we may be like Timothy. You've called us unto yourself and uh, you've called us to do things and these are often times difficult things. Walking with you is not easy. Serving your church and serving the world is not easy. And as a result, Father, there are times where we shrink from who we are and we shrink from what we're called to do. And Father, have mercy upon us for the times in which we have done that. And Father, as Paul reminds Timothy to, that, to, to fan into flame the gift that he was given, we ask, Lord, that you would remind us of how you have gifted us for service within your kingdom. Help us, Lord, to know not only what the gifts are that you've given to us, but help us to know how to utilize them in the way that honors you in a way that honors your people. Help us, Lord, not only as individuals with our specific gifts, but help us as a church in the way you have uniquely gifted us to serve this neighborhood, this city, this world. Help us to fan into flames those things that we've allowed to simmer. And Father, as we fan into flame these various gifts, may your Spirit help us May your spirit guide us. And Father, may you be honored in this whole process. We thank you for the gifts. We thank you for the opportunity to serve. We thank you for a great Savior who calls us into service. May you be honored with our lives and with our gifts. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.